We got a really big problem here, Louis. Seems like you're directly responsible for it. Your mystery man fucked up. But Marini told me he put the girl, the... Mr. Vargo's daughter, on the bus. He did, but she got off the bus and went to Handsome Frank's house. You wanted Handsome Frank whacked. So he got whacked. I'm outside. I set it all up. No traces, no nothing. Marini said that she was on the bus. But Jesus, I mean, it's lucky he didn't do her too, right? If he had, you would be fucking dead. This is not a good situation, Louis. Where is she now? I mean, is she all right? Don't worry about Mr. Vargo's daughter. What we need to do is eliminate the scumbag who whacked Frank. Frank was one of us. His killer needs to be neutralized, erased from the face of the planet. For the past four years, this guy's done maybe 12 perfect contracts. Perfect. Like a ghost. He's very valuable. He's totally untraceable. I'm sure he didn't realize anyone was going to be there when he did Handsome Frank. Oh, he would have backed off. He sure as hell didn't notice she was going to be there. Louis, unless you want to be buried next to Frank, now is the time to tell us everything you know about this mysterious, ghost-like, untraceable fucking button man. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't pay him by the job. He'll only work if I pay him once each year, always on the first day of autumn. That's the way he wants it. First day of autumn, I settle up for whatever contracts he's done for that past year, see? The first day of autumn. Okay, okay. Let's just skip that part for now. Where does he live? Oh, fuck if I know. That, that's the next strange thing. Because I can't just call him up because, well, he contacts me only through a bird. You see, since I first started contracting stuff out to this guy, the bird comes every single day. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Did you say he contacts you to a fucking bird? Did I just hear you say that? What particular species of bird? It's a pigeon. Must be like a, a carrier pigeon or whatever. Passenger pigeons! Passenger pigeons been extinct since 1914! Hello, 
everybody. This is the Cinema Night Podcast. We're here on a Friday night, special edition as always. Travis Roy, Eric Branch, and Michael Govier. We're going to focus in on Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, when we focus in in about a half hour or so for the main event. Does it hold up or not? That's what we usually do on the show. CinemaNightPod at gmail.com and all the other stuff that we do. Travis Roy, here we are live and uncensored. How are you? What's going on? What's happening in the world of film? Uh, it's it's like my bedtime. Yeah, I know. Um, I feel like- <laughs> That's what's going on. I know it's late. Um, it's it's, but you know it's 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 gotta mix it up every now and then. Try out different things on the pod, I guess. Different times of day to, I don't know. I'm reaching. How are you? Yeah, society's got issues, but we're doing the best we can to get by here in 2023. And I just finished Ghost Dog, so it's as fresh, probably as fresh as a movie could be in my mind right now. Eric Branch, you're back after last week. Welcome. Home. I spent last Sorry. weekend in beautiful Bloomington, Indi- Illinois, Illinois, uh, home of Indiana State oh. University. And sycamores. The sycamores. Oh, that's what they're yeah, known I as. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know why know. they're called that. B&B. Uh, I just texted you some additional photos from that excursion. You'll find me standing in front of like a what looks to be like a shoddy motel. Friends, this is the Braidwood yeah. Inn, as featured prominently in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. This is the very hotel where uh, oh, famous uh, Those wow. Aren't Pillow scenes happened. And where I'm standing in those photos is where the bench was, where Neil and Dell wait, waited for uh, Owen, as played by Dylan Baker, to pick them up. And uh, that is, that's movie history yeah. in my eyes. I could not believe it. My wife is like, are you done? Is this enough pictures? Can we get the fuck out of here? Where even are we? I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is it. This is the place. <laughs> Look, that rock, that, that was there. <laughs> sweater vest. Sweater, sweater yeah. vest. Sweater vest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love the sweater vest. Yeah. yeah. Hot sweater vest. I mean, yeah, this is, he is a teacher. Uh, it doesn't look, yeah, well, of course. Um, I, I didn't go the sweater vest route. I went like the, um, what do they even call like polo oh. shirt route? Never in my life that I wear polo shirts, but eventually I'm like, I am hot and, uh, and I teach, so I've got to look somewhat <laughs> presentable. So you'll find pictures of me in a polo shirt For somewhere rest. out there. Embarrassingly enough. Um, it doesn't look anything like the, in the um, movie, right? I they mean, hardly like, change anything. anything. It, looks like- it looks exactly like it on the exterior. Yeah. Really? Um, this is the the oh the, no I'm I'm thinking of the wrong place I'm thinking of where they burn bring the burn I was also heart. at that one which is in Gurney Illinois with uh you know the big <laughs> big um steer on the front of it and uh, yeah that one's up north oh, a little okay. bit but yeah this is the other one so yeah fun time but I missed Dream okay, a Little sorry. Dream man I was just telling Travis I had no clue this was a body swap movie because I'd never sweet seen it like I sat down to it I'm like oh nice uh, little teen comedy about uh, some guys that like a girl and they're like I'm sitting there bored out of my mind pissed and then 40 minutes in i find out it's a body swap and i'm like i'm out it's over i can't do this right now oh wow yeah oh that was that was the crisis (laughs) it's a small part of it but no something else took over and consumed my life (laughs) i'm posting the link on our twitter at cinema nine pod which you can follow us just to let people know that we're live and I throw a few hashtags on there once in a while, like movies or 90, whatever decade it's from. And okay, sure. This one, you know, Way of the Samurai is technically a 90s movie because it's from 1999. And when you type in the hashtag and put like 90s, there'll be a bunch that come up to like prompt you. I don't know why this is. One of them says 90s tits. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a, it's a special category of tit. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, very, that, 
<laughs> Very Jill, uh, Jill Kelly, I think, is, is what comes to mind. Yes, oh. Jenna Jameson, yes, of course. Uh, right. You know, so that means that, like a lot of people are typing that in tonight. I don't know why, but it's Friday night. Maybe that's how it is. Work that Who out knows? Right. But, uh, Specific decade of, of Teton. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that on there. It's unusual. But yeah, uh, Eric, that's really cool, man. Good for you. I'm glad you got to do that. That's a, a notch off the old bucket list here. There's a lot of music and movie history in the state of Indiana. I mean, Michael Jackson and the Jacksons are from Gary and uh, the movies I think are underrepresented. So I think that's really cool that you were able Thank to do you, that. Mike. That means so much to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tender moments here at Cinnamon iPod. Uh, well, let's dive into what we like to call recently the movie tidbit minute, where we just talk about a few things going on in the world of entertainment. Uh, Travis, do you have anything that tickles the fancy for us tonight? I do. I stumbled across a news story that I'm guessing you guys probably heard of. Um, it, it seems almost tailor-made for me. If it had like dogs in it, it'd be perfect because it's both movies and like a, a class warrior kind of moment. Uh, have you guys seen where AMC is going to start changing its ticket pricing to charge extra for certain seats and other seats will be cheaper? Why did it take this, this long? Uh I mean, they, they were waiting for something like COVID to come and like. Yeah, I guess so. That. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. I thought they'd do this sooner. There's always gouging going on at movie theaters. They're trying to make money off the concessions because they don't have enough of the investment on the movie side. I get it, but I'm really just not surprised. Yeah, I got to really start finding a backup tidbit. <laughs> Every single week. Yeah. I'm out of my mind with rage. Um, not that I go to the theater anymore. I, I, I'm very happy to stay away from it. But uh, this fucking pisses me off. What? This is absolute horseshit, dude. You're telling me I got to sit there right next to someone with the better seats because they paid more. Like, I remember, like, Elijah Wood was pissed off. He was talking about how it was fucking elitist mm -hmm. as shit. And it, it absolutely is, dude. I mean, this is so different from a live live event it's not even funny where there's poles and shit in your way there's nothing fucking in your way you just got to turn your head a little bit you fucks yeah it's not an it's not an auditorium it's not a live performance it's it's not that kind of venue um so yeah i i agree i i think it's i think that the theater the movie theater it's it's a leveler it should be um on the other hand i am someone that especially since covid i desperately avoid the middle of the theater i want nothing to do with these people and their phones and their talking and their candy wrappers so i mean I, i'm probably going to voluntarily pay for like want the cheaper seats anyways because i usually like to sit kind of in the back off to the side where the humans are less likely to be yeah uh i don't know man was this a matter of time mike did they start thinking in the boardroom like wait a second why don't we why don't we charge more if you're not like in the prime seating Absolutely. They're looking for an angle. They always are. And I, people will do it because it's been done in every other business. You pay more for seats at sporting events that are closer to or farther away. It's just, you know, if, yeah. but in the movie's case, you won't want the best seat to be the one that's right in front of the screen. So. It wasn't that long ago that when you were waiting for the movie to start, there was music and you could like sit and chat with the people next to you. And now you're entertained with commercials <laughs> and news <laughs> and stuff uh, you know and i it's it's just gonna yeah you're right they're, they're just gonna find always more and new ways to advertise to us and 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 maximize their profit yes That's sir their job i guess so yeah i'm bummed about it i also don't have to go to amc there's mjr closer to my house yeah 
with that. It's more fun than MJR. Yeah. That was my... Eric, do you have a backup tidbit? got nothing. That's fine. That's fine. We'll just skip over you. We'll go to me because I'm going to... I want to talk about... This, I mean, we're moving forward, folks. The Super Bowl is this Sunday, and that's always a big time for movie commercials or movies to, like, throw out a trailer possibly because it's a big event. It is. A lot of people watch it. And uh, the Flash movie is happening June 16th, 2023. It's going down. And Ezra Miller is in that movie. And there's a new trailer slash commercial that will be unveiled with a new poster, which is talking about these worlds colliding now. And, I mean, obviously we've heard about forever about how Michael Keaton reprised this role. And this thing is a go. It's happening. And I know that the two of you have been pretty pissed about this, at least in our text thread, because we talked about it a while ago. And you're like, "What? how is this still happening? You know? Well, I mean, it, it's been such a slow motion shit show of Ezra Miller's descent into whatever they've been going through the last few years. And I don't know that we've had every detail, but a lot of it has been alarming and not the kind of thing that to suggest that they are someone who's able, like at, the, at this point in their life, to carry forward a major cinema franchise. Um, and given, speaking of resets, given everything that has been going on with DC and then especially since Gunn, et cetera, came along and they started even before that with, with um, David, uh, Zaz, what's his name, Zasloff, when they started canceling movies before they even saw the light of day and stuff. It seemed Back like girl. a possibility. Yeah, it seemed like a possibility, even given the amount of money that they spent. Not that they would scrap it entirely, but I really thought that there was a possibility they would reshoot it. Um, but the going ahead with it, Ezra Miller has been in um, – rehabilitation you know has been working on themselves for a long time and they're a young person and you know i i don't think that they i mean uh, you know hurting a woman is obviously never okay but they didn't you know it's not like they're a murderer uh and ultimately if this movie's good and you know i'm not i'm less angry about it now which is exactly what they were counting on which is they they know me they know me so (laughs) this is textbook studio damage control trying to wait out the storm so they can just keep on track and not have to put more money into the fucking movie. They think we're stupid. I don't forget these allegations and these absolute true facts from Ezra Miller. Stuff's unforgivable in my book. But from what my sources are telling me, the movie's so good that they're like, we just have to move forward. And we got to hope people forget because like, we want to keep going. Like Ezra Miller is really good in the movie. We want to keep him as flash. So like, they really are hoping this blows over so they can keep him in the DCEU and release this as scheduled. Wow. I'll tell you what, one thing that will make it all go even more is if it's a big hit and people universally like <laughs> but, it. So, but I, I was uh, looking at an article with, uh, was talking about, uh, uh, Peter Safran, who's like the right hand man for for James Gunn, and he he was also in a shuffle before that uh, regime change. But he was talking about the Batgirl movie, and like someone point blank asked him, like, "What the fuck? That was some bullshit." And he's like, "Trust me, like that would have ruined that, that would have fucked everything up. It was it was." He said it was unreleasable. He said we could not release it. He said it was yeah. unreleasable. Period. It would have destroyed the legacy of Keaton's Batman. It wouldn't have been good for uh, Leslie Grace because we would have had a um, 
like a uh, like a cat like 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 a Halle Berry Catwoman situation where like the stain of that oh. was on her forever. It was just such a bad choice for like a superhero endeavor, uh, and and just uh, almost everybody involved. The guy the guy was like, trust me, I saw it. It was fucking unreleasable, and it, it it just had to go no matter what the cost. So I don't know, man. Uh, we you, you guys didn't talk much about the the Gunverse coming up uh, last week, which I was kind of uh, hoping for, but. You know, um, I, I, there's great things. There's, he doesn't want he doesn't want us calling oh, it that. He's, he, he's do that. very against that. Not not the gun birds. Well, he doesn't. I mean, because he doesn't want it like associated. Just he's not going to be directing it. It's not it's not all going to be in his style. He's gonna it's, he's gonna have more of a role. You know, like yeah, uh, like Kevin. Who's probably, well, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, this. Well, it's the DCEU. Well, everybody really thinks of Kevin Feige within five seconds of the MCU. It's going to be the same thing. But you're right. Yeah. Okay, I get it. It's technicality. Uh, well, no, I mean, because it's comparing it to the Snyderverse, which the Snyderverse, has, even though he, like... Never know, existed, he, really. <laughs> didn't, didn't really exist and had a very specific kind of feel. And so he's trying to, like, he doesn't want to be compared to Snyder and who could blame him, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Well, that could, could we'll have some see. Fun like, that these first few too. movies have, like, that whole suicide squad sardonic tint to it i'm going to be calling it the gunverse if it's got that flavor that's what it's going to be what a weird situation right now with we've got a holdover ezra miller who played the flash from the failed previous universe but we're continuing forth into a new era of the dc this is wild it's pretty wild that they didn't scrap this you must be right eric there must be a i'm actually kind of (laughs) I know, I'm not really proud of this now. I'm really, I kind of really want to it's see favoritism this <laughs> because do you really think that James Gunn is? We we know he's keeping Viola Davis, so he's not ejecting the Snyder verse completely by any means. Well, I mean, I'm fucking heartbroken that Peacemaker two season two is not guaranteed to go forward. We're gonna get this twisted version of set instead. It's a it's a soft reboot. Um, we're supposed to get more of Shazam as well after the the new Shazam movie, which I'm fine with. I, I, I like I, it. I really, I, I'm I'm planning on seeing the new one in theaters. I love Shazam one. Um, Wasn't Black Adam and, tied into that though? Real quick, I didn't see Black Adam, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, he's he's a he's a villain to Shazam. He's not in the movie. He's like they never they don't show up in each other's movies, but he is supposed to be like a villain to Shazam. So it could keep the door open for that. And there even, there's even talk of Momoa playing like multiple characters in the fucking DC. <laughs> so, um, you know, who, who knows where this is going to go? But I mean, at the end of the day, it's been a wonky situation over there anyways. How different are we really going to be going forward? Now, if I agree, if it's like one set tone for every movie, that to me is a problem no matter who's behind it, no matter how much I love James Gunn. But I don't think it's going to actually be that different from because we're going to have the Batman still a separate thing. You know, we're going to have some of these characters, some of these actors and characters still continuing. So I don't think it's going to be that. And remember, I told you guys, the one thing I was worried about was two Batman. And and we're going to have a new Bruce. We're going to have a fucking new Batman. And we're going to have Damien. uh, We're going to have Damien Wayne, of all people, for Robin, which is it makes no sense to me Mm -hmm. because you're going to completely skip over Jason Todd. You're going to skip over Tim Drake and go straight to Damien Wayne. That's that's a mistake. That's rushing that Robin character completely. I think it's a safe bet that those characters will still show up as like alluded to, you know, previous Robins. BBS situation. They'll just be like the adult adult versions of themselves. Uh, or they might rework it in some way, you know, um, bring them in later and just kind of change the order. I mean, they they, they they do that like that, that you know, they can twist the timeline if they need to. So long as I mean, because it, at least it's not a, a, a fucking Joker riddled Batman 
statue, or Robin statue, you know, yeah, uh, to yeah, the dead. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm referencing. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So let's be clear. So the Batman we That's saw right. last year. Is no, the that Batman o- Part That's 2 over. is green lit. It's a go. Okay. With yeah. Matt Reeves, the whole crew. But there's going to be a new Batman a new, for like the new Gunverse. For the Sorry, Gunverse. The James. Bringing his son along okay, with him okay. as Robin, and it's a whole, based on a whole storyline, right. Son of the Demon. I can't wait. And we'll see. And the, there'll be a new Joker. There'll be probably three fucking Jokers because there'll still be the Joker for uh, Todd Phillips, and then they'll they have yeah, the yeah, Barry yeah, yeah. Kogan Joker for. It was outstanding Graham. in Banshees. Oh, oh. I guess he was. And, and they'll probably bring one into yeah. the, you know, the, or at least it's likely. So Ooh. at some point. So, yeah, uh, chaos still continues to mm-hmm. rule that roost. But I don't know, man. They got, those are properties that right, I'm like, still a huge fan a of. Straight reboot of I'd every love, character. I would, yeah, I'd like to see a Nightwing. I'd like to see that in action. I'd like to see Robin on screen legitimately well done and put Chris O'Donnell away in the past if we could. I, I got excited when... Batman v Superman came out and they they just flashed that dead Robin suit. That was awesome. That was like that like got me excited. I'm just thinking about where it was in that moment. It really hyped me up, but now that we are where we are, that was just trash. Uh, uh, yeah, it was an easter egg that, that yeah. fast forwarded through a ton of shit. Right. But it, in the moment I was like, "Oh, cool. Maybe uh, we'll get like Robin reborn with uh, one of the new characters." Right. And it never happened. So all right, anyways, welcome to hell. It's uh, tough out there, but we'll do the best we can here in Cinema 9. Let's move into quarantine viewing picks where we share what we've been watching recently, whether it's shit or not, if it's Dream a Little Dream or if it's Backdraft. Either way, we're going to share it with you. Travis, what do you got? <laughs> I uh, I checked in on a couple horror movies that I really should have had uh, watched sooner. I still haven't seen Scream 5 because I hadn't seen Scream 4 because I hated Scream 3 so much. So I finally uh, checked it on Scream 4. It's it's fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was just fine. Um, I, I didn't love it. I mean, it's I'm, I'm, I'll watch the fifth one. I think I'm ready to get out of that town and kind of try a, some, a new formula because I'm, I'm like, okay, this is why I didn't really check in. And this is now a decade, over a decade old. Because I figured I knew exactly what was going to happen in the movie, and I did. Um, so we'll see what happens with the next screen movie. I also checked out uh, Body Bags, <laughs> anthology horror movie from the great yeah. John Carpenter that I just never I was, got around to seeing. Up. I saw when it hair? came out. <laughs> it's, I mean, for one, John Carpenter mm-hmm. is fucking hilarious as his version of the Crypt Keeper. Um, <laughs> and it is... Uh, just chock a block full of directors acting like Wes Craven and Sam Raimi and so many people are in this movie then other people like you know uh, staples like uh, Peter Jason and that kind of stuff Uh, so it's very much fun especially if you're a carpenter completist Uh, (laughs) definitely worth checking out Uh, I really enjoyed Devotion this new film starring Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell Glenn Powell is again playing a fighter pilot <laughs> as he did in uh, um, uh, Top Gun. Not, there's not a lot of movies about the Korean War and definitely not a lot of movies about that really slim, that, that, that area directly after Truman desegregated the military. So in this movie, takes it's a true story. It takes place in 1950. Um, just you know, a year and a half, two years after desegregation, and uh, Jonathan Majors plays a very real character of I want to say his name was Jesse Brown, um, who was a fighter pilot in uh, the Korean War, 
and uh, and the only black guy in his regiment. Uh, it was definitely really good. I also think that like as a um, like a, as a historical movie, it's it's pretty true to the story, to the reality. And I could see where some people would be like, oh, well, that fell flat. Why isn't there like a big explosion? And why isn't there like a why aren't they fighting each other like in, you know, valleys? <laughs> you know, what I mean, why is it like Top Gun? Um, but as far as a, like, dr- like dramatic action, historical dramatic action goes, I thought it was really good and uh, solid acting. I look, I mean, Jonathan Major's career is very much on the up and up. And I think Glenn Powell is going up places as well. Big time. Um, we'll see a lot more of him, I think, probably in both cinema mcu and i'd like to see him cast in adamantium to be honest with you blah pal we'll see he's he's he wants to play um captain planet is what he's trying he wants to do blue uh not blue beetle but um booster gold who's a bonkers bonkers superhero yeah he would actually be really good for booster gold cyclops he'd be good scott summers Um, too oh he would you're right he would yeah, or a good Johnny Storm. Um, anyways, uh, the main I didn't watch a lot actually. Uh, the, the last film that I watched this week is definitely the film I loved the most, and I am it made me angry at the Fablemans <laughs> because it shares it shares so many of the themes that I think it's why Empire of Light got shut oh. out of the Oscar nomination process for the most part. I mean, Olivia Coleman gets nominated for everything she fucking does, it seems. And I think this might be the best performance I've ever seen her do. I think she's incredible in it. I'm really gra- glad that Roger Deakins got nominated for Best Cinematography in it because this film is breathtaking. Just gorgeous. And uh, both a celebration of cinema and an exploration of uh, mental health issues and racial issues and a really solid period period piece set in 1980 hmm. to 1981. I definitely recommend Empire of Light. Sam Mendes is uh, oh, Empire of Light. Good old Sammy. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. Empire of Light to Eric Branstrom. <laughs> Darkness upon us? Or... Um, but I finally got around to watching uh, Hoosiers. No, it popped up on HBO yeah. Max. I saw Gene Hackman's smiling face, and I hit play immediately, sports. regardless of the sports uh, that are heavily involved in the film. Is that, is that a basketball shirt? Look at that. <laughs> Wayne football. We're in a football shirt. Yeah, my nephew's yes. football team. Go Pioneers. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is that Wayne University for, or like Gotham no, University no. from? Uh... <laughs> Not a university. I'm trying to cram in as many BVS things as I possibly can. Sorry. Uh, yeah, loved it. Loved it. It's like it, it was like a perfect movie. Like I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this film at all. Like uh, beautiful story. Like incredible. Dennis Hopper is was so fucking good in the movie. He had me weeping and wishing that we would have gotten more performances like this out of him while he was around. Like I'm, I'm fucking it was unusual. like, yeah, yelling in my in, in my couch like fucking. You're gonna do Koopa Troopa? You're gonna fucking do all this stupid ass shit? And you got this caliber talent? Waterworld. I like him as Deacon in that, but like just so, the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Oh my god, he was so good in the film. Uh, I, I love this soap, Barbara Hershey. I'm laughing because like they nail this small town, Mike. This like the small town politics where like fucking everybody's involved in like the team. Like the sheriff busts into the <laughs> locker room pissed about like a play. <laughs> yep. The sheriff. <laughs> it's more than a sports movie. It's just a it's a real good feel good yeah, movie. It so is. 
goddamn good. And he's got like all this complexity that they just hint at instead of just spell it all out. These big speeches. Oh, man, it was so good. Uh, and then I watched uh, The Exorcist 3 because like there's there's a lot of talk like there's 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 a lot of talk about how underrated this was as a horror movie. And I'm finally yeah. like, all right, what's all this talk about? I saw it. Uh, and I checked it out again, man. Like we got a really, really strong like first hour is fucking fantastic. Sets the tone like it sets the table for this eerie mystery like at a hospital. Uh, there's not even an exorcism. They had to like write it in like after test screenings were like uh, no exorcism. They're like, oh, shit. Go film a quick exorcism. <laughs> and they did. And like the pa- the last half hour is fucking terrible. Um and nonsensical uh bizarre but yeah good first hour um did bill fried can no, come back for that no role? bill Blatty, uh, who didn't. wrote okay. the original noddle came back and directed and wrote this based on like his sequel that he wrote after he was fucking pissed at the heret the heretic part two uh and they filmed like yeah. half of that and then the studio was like cramming all this stupid shit and it was, they, they fucked it completely do you need to see The Heretic to watch number three? Because that's why I haven't watched three yet. Because I hear good things about three. I hear terrible things about two. Glad, and I'm yeah. like, I guess I got it. Someday I got it. Glad he made it a very specific point to eliminate any possible allusion to part two. So, uh, yeah, go in. Okay. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll just skip two. Um, you know, I got caught up in Toy Story. So I watched Toy Story 3. I'm weeping all over myself, uh, declaring it the best threequel of it. all time, pretty much. And I make the fucking okay. mistake of letting it roll into Toy Story 4. I'm sorry. This is this is inexcusable. Like it's it's I, hate it, it. I was fucking mad while watching it. What they did to these characters yeah. pissed me off. I'm a grown man. I get it. it's not made for me. But I have a brain and I grew up with this. Hurt. Like Woody and Buzz were like my they're like my friends. To see what like these newcomers into Pixar do with this shit script, they have no business. <laughs> even bringing to the development table fucking made me so mad. And to hear that Bob Iger greenlit part five, I'm just like shaking and trembling in my boots. Of course they did. Of course they did. It's a moneymaker regardless. Hopefully they make up for number four uh, because I'm right there with you, Eric. I I know that like, you know, I love last Jedi, but I know that for you, the portrayal of Luke feels like, well, like a betrayal to you personally. And um, that's how I feel about toy story four. I'm like, you've taken this tremendously noble character and just turned him into a piece of fucking shit. That would, that, Why? That, that leaves Why would his that? family for like no real good reason yeah. and leaves his family like not even yeah. understanding, just depressed and miserable. Oh. <laughs> it's like, what? Who? Why? How did this? What? Yeah. Let's I'm ask Ghost Dog, see what he thinks. Um, insert RZA <laughs> soundtrack. No comment. Wait for the narrative. Uh, okay, well, but Pixar's dead anyways now, right? Isn't that the rumor? They've gone what? to hell in the handbasket over the last several years. That's what people no. tell me. Dude, I've heard that you, from I'm, other people. I, um, you, I'm sorry, know nothing about animation. That's uh, why I said other it. people, not me. <laughs> no, I don't know where you heard that. I've never well, heard anyone it's, say that. It's tricky. Lightyear was uh, a fucking disaster. It cost the studio millions, and people are pissed. But oh, you yeah. bounce back. Recent times, I'm saying last three to four years, not looking good. No, 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 no. They've had two bombs, maybe three bombs. Turning red was fucking fucking fantastic. And that was that was also last year. It was just early last year. No, we're gonna write this course. Hmm. No, no, they're fine. 
I mean, if they could recover from the I good love the good dinosaur. I'm telling you, from... that's one of the most underrated Pixar movies there is. It's like watching beautiful paint dry. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aside from the rest of Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock Presents, yeah. which uh, uh-huh. after four more seasons at, at 35 episodes each season, I'm spent. I'm spent. A lot of insurance scams. A <laughs> lot of uh, like murdered wives. I can't take anymore, dude. I'm glad it's over. It was starting to get very, very uh, <laughs> exhausting. Same story over and over again. Insurance scam. There's a video on YouTube here. Uh, YouTube it says, "Why is Pixar terrible now?" Question mark. Clickbait. This is January oh, is it, 2022. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it from yeah, like giant the freaking Daily robot? <laughs> is it from? Uh, yeah, is it Breitbart? I don't know. Um, like, is it because because it's mostly the complaint that Disney Disney too woke, quote unquote. That's not a real. That's not a complaint about Pixar. It's just like, oh, Disney's woke because. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Disney's a, a fraud. I mean, they're not woke and they don't. Oh fuck. no, but they had a gay person in that one movie in the background. Oh, so they're woke. hey, good for them. Okay, well, look, welcome to hell. Anything else, Eric? No. <laughs> no. Okay, I wanted. <laughs> I didn't get to watch, to watch much. I watched, I had offered a lot last week. It's real short for me, but I wanted to go back and talk about you people. Now, me and Travis talked about it last week. Uh, the truth of the matter is I had watched about 55 minutes of the movie when we talked about it, and I figured I got the gist. So I like I watched the last okay. 40 minutes or whatever it was, and then I thought about it, and I was like, I don't like this movie at all. And the reason <laughs> I don't like this movie is because I don't like movies where you're meant to just feel so miserable and on edge it's it is meet the parents ask for sure where it's like oh everything can go wrong we'll just go wrong because you know eddie murphy doesn't want things to happen and the other mother from the, the performances by julie louise drivers are still great she mastered the the boomer who's trying to like be cool and like relatable in, in a terrible way Fuck. so yeah she, she nailed that and eddie murphy was like i said i still i liked his performance but what I thought about more is how it doesn't make sense. They allude to all these things about Aiden Murphy's character where he suddenly has that epiphany in the car with Mike Epps, like where he suddenly changes in that one car scene. But like, like yeah, you used to get crazy. Like, what what is that about? Can you fill us in on this past that his character had so we can get a better understanding of maybe why Eddie Murphy's character is being a little too harsh towards Jonah Hill? It, and that's just one bit of it. There's just a lot of – I think this did a lot of – there's a lot of negativity here about race relations in this movie. It's done It's done very, very poorly. I think about my own life experiences. Forget about anybody else, what anybody else says. This, it's just It's just not like that. Yeah. I, and I think, I look around at what Kenya Barris has done. I don't think he's very good either. I, I don't like his work. I'm not a fan. And I think what happened here is a mystery to me because I'm still not sure how it quite came out the way it did with all the talent involved and you find out that the kiss at the end is also CGI which is just <laughs> stupid but like amazing wow. it's amazing why what? why is it a CGI kiss oh, yeah. incredible it's just a was silly thing not available to shoot the scene they, no no they, they they filmed it with their faces like up like inches away from each other and if you watch the clip you can oh. literally see like their faces like blur That's like, blur into stupid. one another yeah. through CGI once Very you hear strange. it, you're like, oh, yep, there, yeah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't notice it when I watched the movie. Neither but when did I. I heard about it and went back and, and saw that, watched the clip, I was like, holy shit, that's exactly what's happening there. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I, I just think it's, forget any talk about <laughs> wokeism or like 
politics. Just get all that shit out of my face. I'm just talking about a film as you watch it. It's unpleasant to watch. A lot of talent there. Missed opportunities. And I ex- and I think it is a negative towards ra- race relations. I think it paints uh, unnecessary and flat-out absurd portraits of how white people and black people interact or how they would respond to one another. Not in all the situations, but in enough of it where I'm like, oh, this is... This is disappointing. And that's how I feel about it now. And I just oh, wanted to get that clear. Shit. <laughs> it's okay, Eric. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> Dan Blover's here. He says, hi, boys. Travis, I was just blasting Dinosaur Jr. and loving it per usual. Eric, great to see you back and hope you had the best anniversary. And Mike, word up. Heyo. That's Thank all I get you, is Daniel. word up and heyo. Thank you, brother. Oh, man. Jeez, I don't have a kid. Maybe you so. should have a maybe you should have a baby yeah, or like dinosaur Jr. I, 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 I like dinosaur Jr. That post that that creature on the poster haunted me for the past thirty years. Thirty years. <laughs> I was actually thinking. This is weird. I was thinking about Jay Massis when I was walking up a stairwell about <laughs> three hours does. ago. I know. That's well, I was listening oh. to a song in the headphones. So, oh, but, was it was it really 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 painfully loud? That's what I was thinking. I thought about, well, this is a studio version, so it's normalized. But I was thinking that the worst tinnitus in the world has to be residing in Jay Mascus's (laughs) ears. It has to be. I'm amazed that Mascus has not gone deaf. Right. Anyone that's ever gone to any of his shows has. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Dan. That's very I love you too, buddy. I hope you're doing well. And if you're not doing well, that's okay. Is that is uh, yeah. Anybody who's ever been to a Dinosaur Junior concert, you know, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, that's pretty much it. I wanted to cover that, and I, I just didn't get a lot. Of, I watched some Family Guy in a few moments, but I didn't really get to watch oh, the movies. I, so. I forgot. I watched Clerks three. Um, I don't know why. Oh, shit! I, I watched God, the Jay I and Silent that. Bob reboot, just hoping. I had a glimmer of hope because I love Jay, Jay and Silent Bob specifically. They make me laugh every time I just look at them. That movie's terrible. <sighs> the reboot, I didn't bother. Yeah, the reboot's terrible. I don't mean, man, dude, so I, I know like, you had a lot of great like things to say about it, Travis. Oh, I, yeah, I, I hated it, it so I much. It. I was pissed almost the entire time. Like, I talk all the time about these movies that, like, like they come back and then just everything gets taken away from the character that you love and their life is miserable now. This is like the worst example of that when it comes to Dante. And then it's alarming message at the end, which is essentially if your life sucks, just give up. That's the message of the fucking movie. I would not. I did not get that at all. Okay, I got to um, watch it. I want to be the third party on this one. <laughs> I, I, get, I get your point about him being miserable because he is. Um which I'll give, I'll grant you that, but I definitely, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get into any spoilers or anything, but I, I did not walk away with that Absolutely. feeling at all. Absolutely. Give up. Well, that's I what movie going is all about. Everybody gets their own. I found it a life affirming experience. Too, oh. far, <laughs> yeah, an Eric Branstrom descriptor for film. Yes. Life affirming. Check it out, Mike. Eric, Eric Branstrom gets out of the theater on a Friday night. Just saw adaptation 2002. Kick the door open and the door. Life affirming. Embrace you and say, Mike, get to the theater right now. My life has changed. My life has been affirmed. That's right. Yes, it was. Uh, I've always. What does that even mean? Like uh, you are alive. Yeah. Like, yes. You feel alive. The movie lets you know. Yeah. See so, yeah, it, Mike. We'll talk about well, it, man. We'll talk I'm sorry, about you didn't it. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a shot, Mike, so we can get the. Yeah, uh, I gotta find it so I can watch it. I'll find it somewhere here in Canada. Okay. Well, there it is. We talked about some of the movies we watch. Recommend and Cinemanite Podcast. Cinemanitepod at gmail.com. And we're going to move into now the focus here of this episode where we dive into it, we break it down in detail, we cover all kinds of angles, 
Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, 1999 film directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring Forrest Whitaker. Um, Travis, did you ever see this movie before? Let's go back in time. Can you recall the first viewing? Yeah, I saw it when it came out. Because um, in 99, I was, you know, I was in full independent, well, for much of the 90s and early 2000s, I was even more than now, like into full independent movie mode. So a new Jarmus picture, I was definitely going to check it out. And uh, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it as soon as it was available on DVD. And I watched it then. And um, I think I probably watched it one or two more times over the next year or two. But then I hadn't watched it in a really long time. It'd been like 20 years. Uh, so I was happy to put eyes on it again revisit so nice to see henry silva again <laughs> that face <laughs> old uh i mean like that face, face man yeah face. we it's... lost him in september of last year so oh my god he was still going he, he was 95 yeah, years old he's got I mean, more like, wow. looking god i was just thinking of dick, dick tracy, tracy non-stop yep. man that's all I can think about. imagine 95 year old henry yep. silva's face just imagine oh. Ooh, how <laughs> leathery, leathery. <laughs> so, Eric, uh, you never saw no, this film. Mike, I was it, like correct? you. In 99, I was like, Ghost Dog, Way the Samurai, dumb title. I have no interest. <laughs> For the past 24 yeah. years, I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't get past this title. It's too dumb. Love Force Whitaker. Wait, neither one, no. neither one of you had seen this movie no. before? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Is that funny? I couldn't get past it. it. I funny. couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't commit. The title is too dumb. I agreed. I was like, what? What is this? What's going on here? And I just moved on with my day. Yeah. Terrible title. So, I mean, this was 1999 where The Matrix was big. American Pie was big. I wasn't, I mean, I I liked Hurley Burley then, but I just didn't find time, I guess. My fault. I blew it. But that's okay because I finally watched it. So let's predict the rating here. The IMDb rating on this film. Having never seen it, I could go in fresh here. It's a Jim Jarmusch movie, so it'll probably get some respect. I'm going to say it's a 6-4. Oh, I was thinking mm -hmm. seven three. I'm with Travis, mm -hmm. man. The reason I picked this is because I kept seeing it on these under most underrated the '90s lists. So I'm like, let's give this another look, man. I'm gonna say yeah, seven seven two. Wow, this is I've never been more off seven five. Wow, seven five. <laughs> yeah, that's about ninety three thousand ratings, a rock solid number. Oh. So, boy, I would like it. I. I don't know. We'll talk more about this film, of course, because we're doing it right now. But I, maybe I just misunderstood something about how the public viewed it. But with Rotten Tomatoes, we like to give you the score from the IMDb point of view, and then of course share the critical responses with Ghost Dog: colon, The Way of the Samurai. Eighty-three percent versus eighty-six percent. Very tight. Very tight. Eighty-three from the critics. Eighty-six from. The crowd. And as far as what the critics said back in 1999, well, we've got 101 reviews, apparently. And let's see. Hmm. Mm. Goody Goots? No. Dessin? Uh, maybe. It'd be nice to get Dessin on this one. I'd like to hear. Yeah, Honeycutt. That's a, that's a fun one we haven't heard in a minute. Uh, yeah. Wesley Morris's guy, like, of course, in the year 2000 said this. Jarmusch, with his noble sincerity and real affection... Can't begin to give this grisly psalm ambulant <laughs> essay ambulant. On, the, hilarious. On, on the cross-cultural matrix of violence born of overstimulation and numbness, a life of its own. Splat. Okay. Uh, I would think he would like this movie, too, so what the hell do I know? 
He must have bought a dictionary that day. Yeah. What What does that word mean? I admit when I don't know everything. Sleepwalking. It's like sleepwalking. Oh, no. Gosh. Well, what about Ebes in 1999? Roger Ebert said the following. By the end, Whitaker's character has generated true poignance. Has he? Has he? Grief. Unusual for Ebert. Usually we get a little bit more from Ebes, don't we? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, he's usually much more verbose. <laughs> uh, we got Peter Travers. It feels like a, a prime time for Peter Travers. Good old Pete Travers, Rolling Stone. Uh, oh, here's this guy again. Remember this? We got all confused. Ty Burr. Ty Burr yeah. <laughs> from Entertainment Weekly. Ty Burr said the following. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. He types out the whole title. Brings the minimalist director who found fame with 1984's Stranger Than Paradise Back to the land of the living. <laughs> um, he had been making movies pretty consistently that entire time that were well received. So I'll, I don't know, big guy. I guess uh, Ty Burr wasn't a fan. Uh, A.O. Scott <laughs> from the New York Times, a paper of record, said, this is shorter than any Destin Thompson review. Fascinating, but uneven. <laughs> A.O. Well From done. a man whose name, his very name is abbreviated. It's an excellent uh, review in brevity. That's true. <laughs> uh, no Peter Travers available, and that's pretty oh. much it. No Destin. Not seeing any other of the classics. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you one more. Jay Hoberman from The Village Voice in 1999 said, Ghost Dog is an impeccably shot and sensationally scored deadpan parody of two current popular modes, the Hitman glorification <laughs> saga and the Cosa Nostra family drama. <laughs> This is the year of the Sopranos. I mean, right after Sopranos got going, right? Yeah, so. 99. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is the year they got going. Uh, at least one actor from the Sopranos in Richard Port now. Uh, yeah. He played, you know, he played the victim, uh, you know, the, the nephew that gets shot in this. And he was also uh, Junior's lawyer. There was a couple guys from Casino and Goodfellas. I, you know, there was a few mob midnight 90s mafia classics mob. in there the guy yeah you got a like this <laughs> oh guy. yeah yeah but like but yeah that that guy <laughs> but he he wasn't in sopranos that i recall no I was he wasn't no. i'm like i'm watching the movie i was actually surprised that there wasn't more overlap I'm like how how come vic argo vic argo was never victor argo was never on the sopranos he seems like he was mm -hmm. tailor-made for the show which but he wasn't uh also so damon whitaker is forrest whitaker's brother Oh, who who is he in the movie? Or wait, his son, because he played young Ghost Dog, and I was trying to, I, was, I didn't look this up. Obviously, they look alike and they have the same last name, so wait, like they're brothers. Like yeah. Young Ghost Dog, like the, mm -hmm. the in the flashbacks when he's when he's getting saved. Yeah. Oh, I one hundred percent thought that yeah, was for his brother. I know, I, but look, I, yeah, look it up. It's on the IMDb uh, cast list too. David Whitaker plays young Ghost Dog. He was born in nineteen seventy, so. Yeah. Not his twin brother. I mean, he looks exactly like he him. He does. What's the purpose if he looks exactly? I mean, he didn't look anything. He's not, he's not more slender. He doesn't look younger. He looks exactly <laughs> like him. Well, he looked thinner. I thought the young ghost dog in the flashback with uh, Louis, he did look thinner. I'm like, wow, did Forrest yeah. Whitaker really go all out just for like one flashback scene? I, I didn't think so. so but huh. I was confused. I was. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> Can we uh, talk about Jim Jarmusch real quick? Can we get a real quick history uh, on how. Jim Jarmusch is a guy that I don't have as much experience with. I know who he is, and I've watched some of his films, but I'm not like a, a Jarmusch lover. Uh, I've seen Broken Flowers, and I, Coffee and Cigarettes. Was that another one he did? Or the one where it's a black and white and everybody's just bullshitting? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, I've seen those two, and Broken Flowers is really dry, and I and I also feels like Jim Jarmusch movies are kind of paced slowly, and there there's a lot of silence in his films. Is that accurate? Yeah, he's got a he's he kind of uh, quirky, you know, quirky kind of uh, city filmmaker. Lots of very artistic. Um, uh, you know, growing up, I was a ridiculously huge Tom Waits fan. So when I learned that Tom, you know, I remember seeing um, Dracula and being like, whoa, 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 this guy acts too? What the fuck? Uh, so then I had like start digging, digging up other movies that he had acted in, and which of course included Down by Law. So from a pretty young age, I, I started watching um, Jarmish movies, you know, Strangers on a Train and that kind of stuff. But he always felt like someone that I liked, but not, maybe not as much as maybe I was supposed to as a film lover or something. You know what I mean? Like a little, a little kind of pretentious, a little, a little twee. Um, but but good and maybe i didn't always get it so but I, I so i didn't rush the theaters to see his movies but i would typically you know catch whatever came out like i did with this and like i have with most of his stuff since uh yeah i tried man i tried with down by law i tried <laughs> with uh, strangers in in paradise i think is the movie and i think i tried with dead man yeah, too right. I, they always were just very disposable experiences for me, like very avant-garde, very New York indie. Like just I was I walked away like, who cares? Like, they OK, people wandered around for like two hours. <laughs> there were some conversations that didn't stick with me. I couldn't sink my teeth into anything Jarmusch until uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, like in the in the 2010s, which I adored. Um, so, yeah, that's probably why I wasn't in a rush to get to this one. Um, Michael, we did. Is there any more cruel of a comment than disposable to a filmmaker? <laughs> hey, that was real. Well, you know, when it, it leaves no residue and you forget about it the second you walk. No, out I know of exactly theater. what you mean. I'm, it's. I, I'm. I'm surprised you'd say that about Strangers in Paradise, though. I always found that to, especially as a um, Elvis fan, I just feel like as you are. Um, it's to me that I mean that's one I've only seen maybe twice, but man, when I think about it, it's just like in like you know, an imprint to me. Like it's just really like a as a piece of art, but. Um, I could see if you if you didn't connect with it, then yeah, it just feel dry. I think and, seventeen I too. Like, last time I saw like, it, so yeah, it might be time to reinvestigate that catalog. Uh, we did get an email, Michael, our good buddy Chad, who a uh, friend of the show, of course, uh, our American History X episode, one of our best. He did write to us, uh, gentlemen. He says thanks for tackling Jarmusch. Now, Ghost Dog, he says, is a nice pick, but I'm not sure if it would crack his top five. Now, Jarmusch, he tells us number one for him has got to be Dead Man. Okay, I've heard a lot, a lot of things about Dead Man. Great film, one of his favorites. He I says, never are you guys Jarmusch fan? What's your favorite? He'd throw Down by Law and Stranger Than Paradise on his list as well. So he's a fan, but uh, it sounds like we're struggling with this filmmaker. I don't, I got nothing else other other what I said about the two movies I've seen. Um, what's the name yeah, of the Dead zombie Don't movie Die? Movie? I oh. just heard it was awful. Yeah. God damn it. That made <sighs> me angry because it was so, pre like, it was so presumptive to make such a generic, cliched zombie movie as if, like, I mean, as if he just discovered mm. the genre or created it himself. Oh. You know what I mean? He, he was doing all this stuff, like, whoa, man, like, this stuff has been done mm. 20 times, 20 years ago. Like, what? What are you doing here? Is that the joke? And, and I don't. I don't know. I don't understand that movie. I did like the song, the music. I saw Adam it. Driver and Bill uh, Murray, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. I really wanted to see it. Yeah. I remember being really excited yeah. about it. But he can get a cast together. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, of course he can. His name, you know. Hey, yeah. oh, hey, it's you. Okay, we'll do what you oh, want to do. Yeah. You got bozo hair like I David also, Lynch. Do you guys, he also um, was on Fishing with John. I don't know if you guys are familiar yes! with that. Yes. You were Fishing with John. Oh, my God, um, dude. That, it's so funny. Like, yeah, that was him and his buddies. What, what's, what's John? What's the guy's name? The actor, John. From down by or from down by law and uh, yeah, yeah. God, I'm blanking on the dude's name. I'm embarrassed that I'm blanking on his name because he's kind of like a indie legend. But he had his own TV show where he would just fish <laughs> and have different people out there from like New York stars for the most part. John Lurie, like, yeah, John Lurie, yeah, that's right. Bill and Defoe was on um, that uh, show too, yeah. apparently. Oh, that, that's one of the best episodes is the Defoe episode, but the Tom Waits episode is the best. <laughs> there was, I've ever saw, I saw one clip about something about fishermen and they're like they go and get hookers or something it was really funny it made me laugh <laughs> that's great yeah i gotta watch the Very whole thing great. for sure that's funny uh okay so yeah jim jarmusch exists this is his movie he's got white hair like i said <laughs> david lynch bozo hair they have that in common and then steve martin head. yeah steve martin head but you know forrest whitaker is the star of this oh, film man. and in 1999 you know this, this is before yeah. last king of scotland it's before he became yeah. you know academy award winner for best actor he was i don't know it, it was a he was a working actor. He was solid, but I mean, he was not somebody that I would put on the A list. I guess even if he was somebody who'd worked in a lot of film. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to name a film before this that he was the star, like the leading actor in. Um, exactly. Yeah, I can't um, think of anything. Uh, Bird. I mean, he played Charlie Parker. It was he was fucking fantastic in it. I loved him in Color of Money too. I was a huge fan. I am. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. the project right. comes together solely on this guy's shoulders. And I'm sitting here watching it. I'm like, I can't imagine anyone else as ghost dog. Like, let me rephrase it. If, no. if like, if Steven Seagal played ghost dog, this movie would suck, <laughs> in my opinion. But oh, it's, yeah. it's it's all on Forrest Whitaker, if you think about it. He, like, almost all of it. <laughs> I, I have... I like there's things about it I've I have mixed feelings about like the 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 gun movements where he moves <laughs> the gun around and, and reholsters it like it's a sword is fucking there's no blood stupid. on the gun it. so why I would you do it. that I'm <laughs> yeah I, I'm glad you love it I thought I was dumb on the other hand like I like that he is devoted to this um, ideology to this lifestyle but he himself is not like he he's not Jason Bourne he's not you know he's not Bruce Lee he's not someone who has like a ton of physicality but it, what he can have he's tr trained and he and can and he can use his body really well and and, and for him uh, and you know he's like a big dude and he's not super nimble but like what he does in this movie I I believe yeah. it you know what I mean I don't he doesn't need like I, like it, it would be unbelievable for someone to have late in life come to this like mm -hmm. after they almost died uh, and then have like Steven Seagal's mm -hmm. level of skills, right? Like it, it makes more sense for him to be kind of, I, you know, wobbly. I, I remember him in Fast Times when he was young. He played a football player who was a badass. He was athletic. So to me, I kind of, I thought of it through that lens as he got older, of course, you know, that was 17 years later that he did this movie. But I thought yeah. he moved gracefully and he was, it didn't, fool me or made me feel like his efforts in any way were silly i loved because because he took this character he took it all the way like the way of the samurai for him there was no no 
compromising ever like there wasn't one right. thing where he's like well i'm gonna let that go this guy i mean you talk about like the most fundamentalist of any type of sect you could imagine that's what he is in this movie you say that and yet he practices his swordsmanship like a monk but never uses his sword against his enemies like remember in that awesome scene where he goes back into his coop and he like unlocks that thing. I was like, yes, they took all of his guns. Yeah. Now his only weapon, his trusted samurai sword. And he's going to go out there and start slicing people up like the bride. No, gets a gun. Oh, it, it <laughs> talks about with all. Okay, so first off, we should mention that there's how many? Like ten of these, at least ten little breaks of his quick narrative yeah. points from the samurai uh, from book. The, yeah, uh, from the Agaraki, uh, uh, the Hagakure. Dude, this was borderline, this like was borderline full body yeah. massage style uh, uh, screenshots <laughs> of passages. Yeah, <laughs> these are actual passages oh, but, from the book. Did not remind um, you of full body uh, massage? <laughs> I didn't. No, it reminded me of the Tao Te Ching because like half of what's in there is Taoism. Visually speaking, I didn't. And I've never seen. I'm, so I, I have read the Tao. I've never seen oh, the massage oh. movie. You're talking oh, about. yeah. That's a full yeah, body no. massage classic. But I, I'm aware of yeah. it, of course. But I've never seen yeah. it. Does she have <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So you get those peppered throughout the film. And one of them was about, you know, the generations and mm -hmm. the responsibility you have to the generations. And I thought there was also about something about adaptation. So, yes, he could have used the sword. But like he also adapts to the current environment to survive, and so for me that was I still felt like he was following the code as, again as he interprets it, like he's he's following the yeah. code as he sees it. Yeah, no, I I, I agreed. I mean that that to me the wep the weapon was not the point. The the devotion to the principles was the point. Retainer. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he is just retainer now. I mean, but it, uh, I, I can't watch this movie okay? and not be like. How can we not make more of the fact that we have a black man yeah, calling a white man problem. master? Like this is this is uh, it seems like this should be a bigger element of the movie, and it's not. Oh, I didn't think about. I honestly did not think about that at all. I didn't because because he followed this code and he felt yeah, he owed the guy the his life. Yeah, so it, no, no, I understand. I understand. It's still like, but I mean, so it's less about whiteness and blackness as it is about the two ancient tribes. Yes. Uh, is what I got. So, I mean, it, I think it bears mentioning, but it's also, yeah, it's more about the mafia and like, like gangsters, I guess, or whatever. I don't know what he, what his tribe is necessarily. Yeah. You know, his, he's a little like it's referenced but i sense sort of like gangsters because like gangsters <laughs> are like some of the only people that can see him when he like you know when he's like moving about in the world like a lot of people like just like don't even see him yeah but some you know some do <clears throat> and those are usually gangsters and then you know you sit there and you listen to them rap about you while you eat ice cream yeah and the italian mafia crew oh, we got here they also they lump blacks and Native Americans together as the same mm -hmm. creed with racist tirades and epithets. So uh, they give yeah. you their viewpoint of how they see things. Uh, I also, one thing that bothered me about the movie was, why do they get so pissed? Like, it's not explained at all. And not even, it doesn't have to be spoon fed to me, but why do they get so pissed that he carries out a job for them, but the girl just happens to be there? Why are they so pissed about this? They wanted the guy dead. Oh, because because they yeah because they could connect it to him or to them which they don't want the other guys in the crew knowing that they ordered the hit 
The only thing that didn't make sense to me about that is that because he, I, I assume because he was a nephew of the guy that talked like this. <laughs> but then the guy that talked like this is just like another thug. He's yeah. not like above them. So that I, that I didn't understand. But I guess they just didn't want him knowing that they ordered the death of his nephew, which seems excessive. So I agree. Um, a, a little bit convenient to just be like, oh, we got to kill this guy. And, <laughs> we're, I mean, we're arguing about the uh, conditions and rationale of mafioso that are straight out of Mickey Blue Eyes. This is the dumbest yeah. crop of Dick Tracy level cartoon yes! motherfuckers. Silly, ridiculous, so dumb. I love it. You got Ghost Dog. I love it. Who's a badass, an awesome character, one of the coolest characters I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. And you've got no threat. These aren't menacing villains. They're fucking stupid goofballs. Not once was I ever scared of them. And I could have easily been. Just give me one I scene. Think, I don't I don't think you're supposed to be afraid of them, dude. They're, we're not supposed to, we're not we're not supposed to respect these guys. These are fat fucks in cardigans. These are like um these are just these are like fat old dudes that that are are fucking cosplaying. When Victor Argo is dying, he's like, "Well, I'll say this at least he's he's taking us out like real fucking gangsters." And they and they and a few of them kind of make remarks like that. They're 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 remnants of this thing that used to be a real threat, and now they're just like the pudgy grandsons of the guys that really lived the life. And they're and maybe that's partly why they're pursuing him is because they don't actually get to engage in that much mafia shit. And so, you know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of it is that, like pretend that's really, that. And, um, and that's I, a great point, Travis, like you, and you can do that for sure. I guess like my point is like you have ghost dog. Who's like the last remnant of this ancient code. Give me at least one remnant of the Italian mafia as a threat. Otherwise I just don't care because I, I'm never in danger. It never feels to me like ghost dog is in any danger. I see what you're saying. I thought it was an honest representation, kind of in the vein of The Sopranos with the New Jersey crew. <laughs> they're just, they're not glamorized. There's no glamour yeah. whatsoever. And I love that about this movie that Travis's point is valid too. But to me, that this is, it's really like that. There, there might, there's a Gotti out there, but like a lot of these guys, their life is not glamorous at all. They're all, it's like it wasn't Donnie Brasco with, you know, with Sonny Black and his crew. They're always jealous of Sonny Red and they're like high class. They, they, they you know, can't they're even like afford the their they're fucking the fuck little hideout. <laughs> they can't even pay yeah, their rent. Yeah, they're busting open parking yep. meters. <laughs> That's it right there. I mean, like Sonny is supposed to be like this intimidator, like, he, you know, he, who who sits around the table with his other major guys. But then this fucking landlord comes in and dresses him down in front of everybody. And then no one will look him in the eye because no one ha wants to pitch in. I'll have the rest of the landlord is the biggest <laughs> yeah, threat. So, so, so fucking Jesus. funny. That was funny. Um, they're 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 just they're fucking role playing. They're not they're not they are not real. But it doesn't mean that they can't be dangerous. To me, the worst like the thing that made me go ah oh, in the movie was the poor dude that got killed for being a black pigeon. Yes, because these fucking assholes just show up and and shoot him. Um, and but so like even though they're dumb and they don't <laughs> really follow a, a real code anymore and like all of this stuff. They are still dangerous, at least to other people, if not someone who's prepared to handle them like yep. Ghost Dog. And two things about Sonny. One, one of the coolest deaths I've ever seen on screen. The way he gets shot up the fuss, up oh, the yeah. pipe. Go Ghost Plumber. Yes, Ghost dude, plumber. that was sweet. I I yelled like, hell yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and I then, love that. 
that this is what maybe Jarmusch does. Like you talk about quirky, and I do like this aspect. It makes me actually want to watch more of his films. That Sonny loves Public Enemy. He loves Flavor oh Flav. God. He's sitting here dropping epithets, racial epithets towards black people, and then he starts doing the lyrics, and then he has that whole dance scene singing along to Flavor Flav. And I couldn't think of anything more American than that. I really couldn't. And, he, and he's talking up his button nuts yeah. as he's doing all that too. Don't forget. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that is so classic American hypocrisy to the T. It really, especially oh, for yeah. white people, it really is. Eric, does that upset you? You okay? I'm for one thing. I love that uh, murder that uh, takes place in that bathroom. I, I really loved it the first time it happened in the Killer John Woo's film. The exact same thing happened like five years before oh, this. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Sorry. I didn't know that but yeah, yeah uh, okay. What's no with one? these? Like, yeah. what's with Jarmusch in these fucking cartoons? Like, I'm sitting here, like, how pissed should I be? Is he like <laughs> saying that, like, this is how dumb the mob is that they're like buffoons or watch cartoons? Or, like, what is he trying to say here? What is this? What did you get from it? There's something between all of the narratives we get from Ghost Dog, like I said, like ten of them, and we also get like eight to ten cartoon <sighs> snippets of various cartoons, old ass. Even yeah. Itchy and Scratchy finishes it off, which is technically not even a real cartoon from a, a cartoon show. But it's a modern cartoon because because now the daughter is going to carry on and be like the new boss. Louie is her right hand man, and she's watching she's watching the newer stuff, The Simpsons. Yeah. But oh, okay, Eric, you're so angry. I don't it's understand funny. this level of anger. It's uh, <laughs> but to me. Um, we, we, these interspersals of their two codes of where, of where they turn to learn them from themselves about themselves. Right. We have, we have the, the Hagakure, which is what ghost dog is using this sacred text to him for which he bases his entire life around while these other guys, I, we see them watching cartoons over and over again, but I think what the cartoons represent are glorifications of violence on television and just um, like stuff that they learned as kids, because again, like they're pretending to be real mobsters, they're pretending to be real gangsters, and this is where they're just like playing stuff they've seen in fucking movies, like a, The Godfather. They're just playing this shit. So I, so I think that's to me, that's what I got from it. That's what's going on with it. I mean, Jarmus says like I just wanted to put cartoons in my movies. <laughs> like, no, you didn't. You didn't have like nine fucking scenes of cartoons in your movies just because you wanted to put cartoons in there. You're trying to tell us something, and and that that's what I got. That that's what they that's what they learned from. Huh. Well, the old boss, the big big boss, he loves his cartoons. He never laughs. Henry Silva doesn't crack a <laughs> smile, but uh, he loved the cartoons, and so did his daughter. So I don't get it. Whatever, like, who this, cares? But this outfit is done. Like you're gonna tell me that like just Louie and this like kid are like gonna be running the show for this district in terms of this uh, uh, this corner of the the mob, like. What is this? First of all, there's there's no way that like Louis is gonna follow her around now. Like he's in he's he's intertwined with Ghost Dog, so he has this choice: do I like do do I like do I align with Ghost Dog now? And like I say, well, you know, let's like you say my life, blah blah blah. Now I'm your life dead, blah blah blah. Move on, which is so much more interesting than him just wanting to kill Ghost Dog so he can like be the right-hand man of the only other person in this outfit, which is like this kid? What the fuck is this? Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? Rather than appreciate the sacrifice and devotion of his of his most like constant, true person, he's going to instead 
sacrifice that person like a dog in the street, right? Um, at the hand of his own master, he's going to kill him and just pursue fucking bullshit. More of this bullshit way of life that is based around fucking fantasy uh, and, and instead of like true principles. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the way he has to go out either. It's I understand. Yeah, we're not supposed to like it. We're not supposed to like it. No, we're I, supposed you, to be angry. Okay, yeah, we should be pissed. But the, yeah, he's not. It feels like Ghost Dog could have gone out in a different way, but it was never going to be a way where it was like, you know what, I'm cool with this. It was just going to be a bogus ending. I'll say this. Thank God at least, you know, that uh, that kid uh, shows up about 40 minutes in the movie on the bench, and I'm like, oh, no, is this going to be one of those, like, it's going to be like the professional but terrible. There's going to be like a kid involved all the time, and I'm going to hate it. But thank God that didn't happen. That that So good news there. The kid goes away. Yeah. And then you got the, then, uh, the friendship with his best friend, the French... The Haitian? Is he from Haiti? I mean, is that... He's from... I mean, he speaks uh, French, right? So I think French, he's a... Yeah, he's Haitian. French. I feel he's like not, he's a Haitian he, immigrant. Is that where he's from? He's from Haiti? Yeah, that's be my best uh, guess, because they speak French there, unless he's French. But either way... He's Sock de Boncalais. He's, he's, he also was in The Limits of Control, the Jim Jarvis movie that I hated the most by far. Uh, un, unfucking watchable uh, movie. But he, he, he's got such a face. I love he his face. He does have a face. That face. He's, got, he's, in, he's in Black Panther, the Black Panther movies too. He's one of the um, oh, like in the like in one of the elders. He's the guy with the thing. With the thing, it's yeah, him. that's him. Man. I knew it as it's soon as you him. said it. I knew it. Yeah. He does have a yeah, face. Holy shit, he's got, he's got a face. Wow. Um, you know when he meets Perlene, Ghost Dog, um, he like yanks. He's going through her books and he yanks away Frankenstein and like reads her the end like a dick. But it's yet it's one of many references earlier in the movie telling us like he's obsessed with suicide he's romanticized suicide he's romanticized his own death uh the very first thing in the movie is him talking about the the code of the samurai meaning like accept your death and like he's talking about how he like all if he the best thing he could possibly do is die in service of his master yeah. so that's why he smiles when his master kills him so i think a lot of what he's doing is like he's trying to maneuver this and make this happen cognizantly be aware of death every day Dude, until the show's yeah. resident yeah. frankenstein uh professor uh we picking up on these illusions like i think ghost dog he knows like he he was reborn by louis essentially mm -hmm. i mean he is he is the creature to louis creator and yeah he's indebted to him he's entwined with him and ultimately he's killed by him and i think he does kind of lumber through life with this um this haze of um, uh, self self hatred in him for for a lot of the movie, um, mm -hmm. but go, dude, this kid, like the, Ghost Dog's like the worst mentor <laughs> in like any movie. Like I like that he wants her to read and stuff, but like I'm sitting there thinking about this at work today. I'm like, he he, he introduces her to like his own. He's trying to get her to be like him, which is like the worst thing that he can do. Because he's a fucking killer yeah. with 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 a a question. He doesn't see it that like, way. I, I mean, you know what I'm getting yeah, at here. Right. I mean, like you're gonna set off this kid who's yeah. clearly like a smart kid, and like you're gonna put her like literally in the right. line of fire in some of these scenes. You're gonna push her towards this violence, and then you're gonna basically Dude, hand her I mean, the mantle. The um, the, what's the what's I what's the uh, the. The guy's name, Isaac DeBoncalais' character, the, the uh, ice cream man's name. Ice cream. I don't know. Raymond. Raymond. Right? Raymond? Yes, Raymond. Yep. Um, so when when Ghost Dog's getting shot, everybody runs away, 
and Raymond literally yeah, yeah. grabs the girl yeah. and holds yeah. her in and go closer, front of him. And closer, and closer, and closer. Watch this. Like, what are you, Watch what are you doing? <laughs> Check this out. Yeah, that's uh, that's odd. Okay, that's fine. But I will say that Jim Jarmusch really has a patience for comedy because yeah. there's not a lot, but when that guy... <laughs> I mean, Ghost Dog is walking down the sidewalk. He's just checking out the neighborhood. And then he sees, uh-oh, this guy is about to get mugged. He's got his mm-hmm. groceries. And then that guy unleashes two roundhouse kicks on him. I <laughs> laughed on. so hard. <laughs> it was so sudden and out of nowhere that it was so refreshing to see that. Jesus. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I I agree. He, he's he got a, such a weird sense of humor. But I also think that he's just likes to plug random shit into his yes. movies like for instance when ghost dog is cruising around listening to the whalers and like looking for someone who's closed to steal um he he passes this drunk guy like getting behind the wheel of his own car like he's like fumbling to get into his car there's no purpose to put that in there it's just like hey look at the hellscape look at you know look at look at look at what other ways people are fucking up tonight who was the native uh, america guy who was the the guy who didn't get killed you know we said the black stupid fucking stupid fucking white yeah, man that guy but that he's just there <laughs> in one scene like we never get any connection to ghost dog or the pigeons no uh, i think that he is a um that's not ghost dog's place right that is a different <laughs> oh shit another is that what it is yeah, 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 yeah. It's like five yeah you're right yeah. that was more urban Ghost Dogs looks like it's a little bit more remote than it's not in the city. Yeah, you're right. They're just going to places where coops are and they're like attacking There you people. go. Thank you. See, look, you just clarified that for me. And you're we need welcome. we need to talk about, you know, animals are a big part of this mm-hmm. movie, Travis. And I know how important animals are to you. So I want to get your take on animals in this film. Animals were murdered. Pigeons got killed. I know you're not as big a fan of pigeons. You did say in the show once that maybe there was... A few too many pigeons. Is that fair? There was one. No, no. I, <laughs> I think I no. I think I just referenced that pigeons uh, originally were domesticated, and yeah. just people stopped keeping them as pets, and that's why. And then they're they just out there. Yeah, passenger pigeons. <laughs> um, yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, I mean the the dog. There's a dog in the movie. Um, nipples. Lots of nipples on the most sorrowful looking dog I've ever seen in my life. Didn't want the ice cream. Yeah. Somehow she yeah. both looks like the saddest dog ever and also the gargoyle things from Ghostbusters at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Cool. Very unique looking dog. I was waiting, you know, so, but the pigeons, I, I meant to check. I'm like, I hope, I, I assume these are fake dead pigeons in his bed and strewn about, I assume. Yeah. Fairly realistic dead pigeons. Oh, I don't yeah. Think you can get away with just killing pigeons for a movie, I mm-hmm. hope. I thought it was um, a great, great idea. That today in 2023, if you're trying to commit crimes, using carrier pigeons is genius. It'd be a great, I mean, more than ever with so much technology, it actually serves a greater purpose than it ever did before. That just kind of popped in my mind as like, wow, this, this guy really is smooth. He's smart. That said, do you want to like pluck it off their leg and then eat the message? That's well, I, I never said anything about. That. I'm not cool with that. I'm not eating a gross bird leg message that he sh- the bird probably shit on, or at least a remnant of shit was on it. So you know, it's a bird. It's poisonous. That stuff's poisonous for humans. Not good. His uh, his tendency to, to interlay messages in this manner definitely makes him, uh, I guess, untraceable to these mobsters, and yet. Everyone in town knows exactly who he is and where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> Even a kid. Uh, yeah. 
Well, but that's I think again, like they're getting at the differences between the communities, right? Because like oh. to these fucking mobster assholes, uh, anyone who's not a white guy is all the fucking same to them. Good call. Uh, where whereas to them, you know, it's they, they keep it themselves and they protect their own, etc. That's a great point. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't think about it like that, but that makes all the sense in the world. That's good. That's very good. Is Rizza playing himself? I think so. Peace and equality. Yeah. He's right. He's just kind of like walking down the street. Like, oh, there's the Rizza. He knows Ghost Dog. This is the first time he was on film. I felt like it was his debut. Because 99 he, seems like wasn't a debut. He in, uh, well, he was in How High the same year, right? How High was a year or two later. I think it was 2001. I'll double check, but whatever. God, that really, I need to rewatch How High. That's a funny movie. It's been a long time. It was a oh, funny man. movie, yeah. Yeah, How High was yeah. 2001. Okay. Yeah. Um, Could bring it to the table. Could, could be a future Cinema good, 9 movie. I, I've actually How already high. considered this. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. I've considered it. Um, yeah. I, I guess that probably is a first RZA performance, if I had to guess. Yeah, that was my guess, too, because, you know, Wu-Tang Clan explodes ni- mid-90s, mm. and yeah, he's now he's in all with. kinds of movies, like funny people, and you see him all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's getting quiet. <laughs> so here's a question. Uh Jim Jarmusch is definitely someone who likes to defy convention and not follow what you expect. And he's not afraid to bore you. Um, does the movie suffer from having what is basically the, you know, the, the climax of the movie um, with like 40 minutes of the movie Man. left? Does the, does, because like you have this big crescendo of action where he's going into the house and killing all these characters who we've, who we've gotten to know, but not their names uh, throughout the first half of the movie. Uh, and then in, you're watching the movie, like, mm-hmm. well, now what? Almost everybody. Yeah, I paused dead. it. I was like, like how in the does, fuck does the we got 40 more minutes? Well, right? I mean, okay. Did it, did it drag at that point? Sonny was still alive, so I knew that still. To me, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It was a huge yeah. moment, but we still had to take care of Sonny, who was, I guess, oh, so I really saw him as the ultimate scumbag, but even more than. The, the guy who uh, right. Henry Silva's character who ran the whole thing, but so yeah, it didn't take too much steam from it for me. But I did notice that oh wow, there seems to be a bigger bar. You know, the bar where you watch how much time's left in a movie and streaming these days. I'm like oh, there's a little more time left than I thought there would be at this point. But I didn't. I thought there was a lot that needed to be wrapped up still because we hadn't gone back to talk to Raymond and and I knew that him and Louis would have some mm. type of confrontation again. Or I thought they would have like a... I didn't think it would go the way it went in the end, but it didn't bother me too much. No. Yeah, I was never bored during the movie. I was into it the whole way. And that's the weird thing about the film. Like, I could have watched just Ghost Dog driving around in his neighborhood for like five <laughs> hours doing nothing. Someone not finally mentioned anything. it. Finally. I was totally cool with that. Okay. Well, if you want that, if you want that, maybe you would enjoy the limits okay. of control because that's essentially what that's. You're just watching a hitman walk around. I'm into that. And that's pretty much it. Uh, what I'm wondering is, does no one listen to CDs? He never has to. He, Ghost Dog never has to eject a CD first. He's just able to always just slip oh, that right in. There. I'm so glad you mentioned that because when he pops in that CD early in the movie, and it's got that that took me back in time with the oh, yeah. the lights. The and like, remember, stereo? like when things got really yeah. fancy with yep. your stereos? They're like, oh, look at the lights will yeah. like move simultaneously with <laughs> yeah. the rhythm of the music. It was a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, that took me back. Your car while you're driving because you're distracted by the lights. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Dug it. Um, man, what else? What other notes you have? Oh, I've got a note. Uh, 
throwing an ice cream cone into a trash bin that has no bag in it is a total dick move? Did that bother you? Yeah. It is a park um, gr- uh, garbage can. I will say that. So. Yeah. yeah but there's going to be a lot worse things in there by the end of the night than that. <laughs> um, to me, a, a bigger failure was, don't we eat the cone? Why are we throwing away the cone, sir? Ice cream's good for you. And then we Oh, yeah. It turns out. <laughs> shit. Bad news. Um, uh, you know, I thought that the um, also while we're talking about like weird little things and just throwing the movies and usually I'm like, why are you showing me this? Like you're mm-hmm. just dragging your movie out. And there's parts of this movie that felt like that where I'm like, okay, this is a, this is an hour long movie that they're, that they're shoving stuff in there to, to mm-hmm. pad it up mm-hmm. and make it of length. But by the same token, a scene where you have an English speaker, a French speaker and a Spanish speaker all trying to discuss <laughs> building a boat on the roof of a yeah. building is, that's just fun that's just <laughs> wild and weird and so like smell just, a spinoff <laughs> no, I mean, yeah on, no man. not not even that it's I mean, that, but it's so unique in that moment like it's just like it's just such a colorful thing to throw into your movie um and it and it's memorable and fun and and, it's, and so like where i often would get you know and i, I regular listeners know i'm like Chop 20 minutes out, chop 15 minutes out. Why are you putting this shit in there? Uh, but this movie, I think the padding actually works because uh, it's it's either, you know, crafting more narrative about how the characters work or it's just interesting stuff like that. That's just kind of fun little vignettes. It, it's, yeah, it that's what he to, does, uh, right? Another thing I do like about the movie, which is uh, a really broad sense of uh, cross-culturalism, especially in that scene, because... I mean, the guy building that boat there that cannot possibly launch it could be thinking the same thing if he's watching Ghost Dog fuck around with his sword like on the roof. Like, what are you, what are you gonna do? Go kill uh, <laughs> right. the fucking uh, whatever the fucking uh, guys were in Kill Bill. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> things to be said. Like, um, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, it's the, I soundtrack. love the music too. The the beyond the soundtrack itself too. There's just like uh, the score is really goofy at times it's also a little bit more sentimental in certain moments i like that it's kind of a varietal you really can't pinpoint it and lock it all in on one thing you think jarmish picked the songs hell no (laughs) doesn't seem like it i don't think so he he doesn't use this kind of score or soundtrack in like most of his movies i i feel like i don't know enough about him so what the hell do i know but it i would say no but i don't know I, i i there's there's there, you know, RZA's in the movie, and there's a lot of Wu Tang and some RZA songs, and other like just like independent Wu uh, like songs in the movie. So I kind of like found myself wondering. I feel like maybe RZA like was like an uncredited music supervisor. Absolutely, that makes all the sense of the world. In fact, yes, that's no, that's that's exactly what it was because you just look it up. Yeah, did you, you did his <laughs> right. he did it. every every single one of these things on the way of the samurai mm-hmm. soundtrack. Rizza, 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 oh, Rizza. It's all Rizza. Oh, he just did the music. You nailed it. No, we, we, well, I, we should have just looked at the fucking credits. But oh, you did nail it without looking, though. So congratulations. <laughs> you got right, Rizza so there. Cool. Jim Jarmusch was smart enough to at least say, like, okay, I got Rizza right here, so I'm going to defer to him entirely. Is it all unique? Is it all original for the soundtrack? Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. So it's just a, it's a Rizza album. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's probably a lot of people listening right now. We're like fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, the Wu-Tang guys, the Wu-Tang <laughs> did their thing. And then each Wu-Tang member does their own individual albums too. So right, I don't know if this right. was a pre-made from the movie or not album by RZA, but either way, it's a RZA album. Yeah. 
and of course we know that Rizza and Jarmish went on to have a regular working relationship anyways because he's appeared in a few other Yeah, he was in that things. shit movie with the zombies, right? Yeah, he popped in there and he was in Coffee and Cigarettes with Bill Murray. Ah. Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. have we uh, we made our our comments about this film. It kind of seems like we're running out of steam for it. I think we've done what we can. I'd I'd like to say uh, just in case we didn't clarify that. The, yes, Forrest Whitaker was fantastic okay. in awesome. this movie. He was so damn good from every angle possible. I was just a fan of his work in this movie, whether it was the quick little pointers about the samurai way of life or just being patient and cruising the streets at night and wearing his gloves. Oh, by the way, biggest bullshit item in this movie was this thing <laughs> that I was like, where did, where did oh, you get this man. fucking thing that can start a so, car in 1999? Uh, yeah, it unlocks doors and starts cars. Ah, like, biggest oh, load of shit in that um, film by far was that machine. That I, I agree. I actually... <laughs> <laughs> I love the moment where he takes the stolen That's suit good. and shows up and like pretends yeah. to be a realtor. And you get the glimpse of, you know, the, the, the powdered rouge moment. Um, you get this glimpse of, of, of who he could be if he wanted, you know, like he, he could be outgoing and gregarious and all this stuff. Uh, so I, I really, yeah, I agree. I, there's like a full commitment to the character from Forrest Whitaker in this movie. And I respect the fuck out of it. Yeah. What else can you say? The performance is so good. Like he doesn't have to, in my book, he doesn't have to do anything but just stand there. And I am in completely enamored. You cannot say that about a lot of actors. No, you can't. Yeah. He's got that. He's, he, you've really seen that. I think even later in his career when he played roles like Saw Guerrero and stuff, like he could just have this look where you're just like, Jesus Christ. So intense. This guy's so intense. Well, you brought it to the table, Eric. What do you think? Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I've been wrestling with it all day because I did watch it for the first time yesterday. And I was wrestling because while I'm watching, I'm like, God, these shots. This guy, uh, Robbie Mueller, shot it. And I'm not that familiar with his work. I loved his work on Mad Dog and Glory because I do remember that being like a really rich, cool-looking, dwarish type of film. But he's mostly worked a lot with Jarmusch. I, I, I love the way this film looks. It's the most crisp like close-ups and pans and long lens shots of people looking at other people and this adversarial eye contact throughout the entire movie that's really cool and like all the kills are fucking awesome and like this is like a few years after professional where people are really ramped up on the whole like like the silence pp7 like right right in that era man like the silence gun like a cool kill yeah. and it's fucking all awesome and i think that's why people a lot of people got jazzed about it because there's this cool fusion of hip-hop and samurai and western for a ton of this it's basically western um so there's a lot of stuff i love here and then jaramush he throws in this what i can only the only adjective i can use is just goofy and it always bugs me when you have this awesome thing, and then just there's this goofy stuff in it. Tarantino does it a lot. He has something totally awesome. Then he puts this goofy stuff in here that, for me, just always just makes me roll my fucking eyes to the to the uh, to the uh, fucking central casting mafioso here that are just that puzzle me. I mean, it really comes off like Jarmusch just doesn't like gangster movies it just comes off like he thinks goodfellas is stupid shit so he wants to make fun of them that's all it comes off as to me is like oh, i'm gonna this, this is fucking stupid i'm just gonna make them all dumb because gangster movies are fucking stupid so i'd be hard pressed to uh say that that's not in being honest 
But what it all comes down to is I, I think this is an entertaining movie, and it all falls on Forrest Whitaker's shoulders, man. If, if you got Seagal in the same role, like I said, he's fucking dumb if you ask me. But he's so soulful that it sells it, and it just carries it over the edge into holds up territory for me. Beautiful. You want me to go as a first-time viewer and close it out as the veteran or what? Sure. Okay, as another first-time viewer, Eric, I really just have so much respect for Forrest Whitaker. I love what he does in almost everything that I see him in. And he's a murderer. He's a yes, he follows his code and it gets romanticized and glorified, but yeah, he's done 12 contracts for me over the last couple of years. So he's killed at least 12 people. It could have been two people per contract or more. Who knows? Who knows how many people he's murdered, but yet he's so lovable. <laughs> it's so silly, but it is. And gosh, yeah, like all is really owed to Forrest Whitaker and what he can do with the, a role. So I, I'd also read that this movie probably wouldn't have existed without Forrest Whitaker. So that makes a ton of sense to me because I, I could see how this played out. He is the film, and everything else just has to kind of fit around it. But he also, he doesn't dominate them for me either. He is, he does what he's supposed to do in a really beautiful and really authentic way. And then everybody else plays their part. And uh, forget about Jarmish and whether he's overrated or not. I don't care. Uh, this one movie right now, Ghost Dog, it's got some really goofy, funny moments that surprise you. Uh, you know, the, the guys talking it out like, well, he's not black, but he could be Puerto Rican. We should murder him. Like, like that is just to me is seems like an authentic discussion that these morons, these dipshit mafiosos would have. They're they're char they're charged with murdering somebody and they've given a few kind of loose rules about what to do and what not to do. I just think. That kind of stuff I, I really enjoy because, to me, it's authentic because these people are morons. And the real-life people, as Travis said, though, they're still very dangerous. So that's what's that's what's frightening about it. And in the end, I uh, I think it holds up. It's a lot of fun. This movie holds up. Ghost Dog's a cool movie. I'm really glad I got a chance to squeeze it in. I would have yeah. missed something if I had not seen it. All right. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to join us and that you're able to watch the movie and comment with us. I also like your use of the word authentic, especially for Forrest Whitaker's performance and both and also like for the character. You know, this character could be such a joke. <laughs> uh, to, to have, you know what I mean, to have like this urban yeah. samurai dude. Like it could just be and especially with this fucking name Ghost Dog, the way of the samurai. Like but he Whitaker brings such sensitivity to it and like joy the this moment when he's like sniper rifling he's got the sniper rifle ready to take out henry de silva's character and this bird lands on the uh barrel and 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 he's like just like oh like looking at it like oh this is how wonderful but it makes him lose his shot but he's not even bothered by it because he like loves the bird so i it's i think that there is some you know some uh attention to detail when it comes to the authenticity of 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 the book that they're, that he's following and of uh, the the principles that are laid out within it and then it's superimposed with the ridiculousness of these other people who don't who claim to follow a creed but don't and it's really just based around like uh tradition and film representation um and i for one like i i i don't love jarmus but i i like him and i love tarantino and um 
to talk to me is to have me, you know, I, I will go from the you know very deep issue to a complete stupid caca pee-pee joke at the same breath because <laughs> I think levity and um, you know seriousness exists at the same time. So to me, I like the way that this movie straddles those lines. And I really, you know, one of the things when I watched the movie the other night and it was over, I was like, man, that ending is it's almost like Hollywood. You know, it's like almost like this over overly done Hollywood, you know, the, the, the two cowboys facing each other down in the street thing. And it's almost like, and then I'm like, I thought about it, I'm like, well, yeah, it is. It's supposed to be. This movie is taking these classic movie themes from samurai films to Westerns to, you know, to mobster movies to like gangster flicks and finding the connective tissue between all of these different genres and using them as building blocks to play with. And in that sense, I think it's actually really brilliant. I don't, I don't think it's a movie, you know, I, I don't feel like, Oh shit, I really fucked up not watching it over and over again the last 20 years. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to watch it over and over and over again, but I do think that it's one of the stronger and maybe more accessible of the Jarmish movies. And uh, I, I actually, I actually really like this movie a lot. It, it definitely holds up for me. Likes it a lot. There it is. A clean sweep for Ghost yeah. Dog, The Way of the Samurai, coming this summer. I don't know if it was a summer movie or not, but uh, there you go. Nice choice, Eric. I'm glad we got to see that film. And if you have any comments, send them at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of it. Next week, I'm going to choose a movie. That'll be one of these films. I, I think I'm clear on what I want to do here. Okay. I just was thinking it over and... I don't think I don't think we've done this we may have done a movie with him but not classic him as we got to know him. So I think we're going to go back I think we're going back to the year 2000 and we're going to do a comedy, it's a straight comedy which is always interesting. I think we don't do enough comedies on this show and I would like to throw in some more comedies if I can. So yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to go to the year 2000, and we're going to do the Ferrelli Brothers. I don't think we've done a Ferrelli Brothers movie yet, have we? I knew if I was patient, you would you would pick this for me. Oh, <laughs> 2000s, me, myself, and Irene. Oh, shit. Ah! I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to say Outside Providence. Maybe that was 99. Oh, that 98. was 99. And I love I love Outside Providence. Never but I'm going to... I know you do. I'm going to go with me, my, a Jim Carrey comedy. I feel like... Me, myself, and Irene. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Look at, wow. Eric, are you, is me, this bad news? I, all right. Well, maybe it holds up. <clears throat> Have you ever seen it? You ever yeah. seen it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look forward to its sensitive portrayals of mental health issues. <laughs> we should also... We should also mention that Mike and I will finally, in real time now, uh, tomorrow, be doing our MCU Phase 4 episode, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we're gonna we're just going to record it, I think, and then we'll just upload it tomorrow, right? We don't have to do it live, I don't think. Oh, we don't we're not going to do it live? Sure. We can oh, do it live. I, I don't care if we do it live, but we could also just record it. I don't care. Either way, we're, we're doing it in. tomorrow. You guys watch them, so, so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah me myself and irene a 2000 comedy and we'll see well that one plays out to me outside providence just holds up too easily so i chose this one because i feel like man i i, I don't know it's been a while and i do just off the top of my head recall some very Racist. questionable <laughs> things i'll just say that so but i did laugh a lot when i was 20 years old i thought it was hilarious and that's why we do this show go back in time 
find out now. Does it hold up or not? That'll be the show. Sound reasonable? It does. It does. Okay, that's all that matters. All right, he's Travis Roy, Eric Bradshaw, Michael Govier. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Passenger pigeons and Bemic stinks since 1914. Fuck. <laughs> yep. I beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs>